call it. Welcome to episode 121 of Call It Friend of the Podcast, where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy, dear Richie, and my co-host, Anna Katinan, watch two films featuring cross-cultural relationships involving Arab immigrants. 2007's The Visitor and 1974's Ali Fear Eats the Soul. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at CallFriendOfPodcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations, please. No. Is Mike right? Yes. Knew it. Could have called that in a second. <laughs> so obvious so, when, when you think about it. What an, uh, it, it. I'm not saying it was a great week, but a perfect pairing, I would say. Yeah, it's the same film. They're nearly the same film. Right? I didn't know that. Is the second one a remake? Uh, who knows? Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to both. I have strong, mild opinions on both of them. <laughs> uh, as as far, if that can tell you anything before we blunder into that um have you been watching anything interesting during the week i don't know I about interesting things. yeah i got two things but i don't Go know how it. interesting they are one of them was a rewatch okay so let me preface let me one of mine is a rewatch too both of mine are rewatches continue let me preface this by saying i've been listening to the blank check podcast series about david fincher that's happening right now Oh, not bad. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. They're long episodes. So far, I think they're up to panic room at the at time okay. of recording. But yeah, I mean, the seven episode, the game, solid. Alien 3 one's good as well. It's all good. So what uh, have you rewatched? Well, this, here's the thing. This, this, is a, this is a tangent of tangents, but they were talking about uh, the film Double Jeopardy from like 19... Yeah, yeah I know Double Jeopardy. And just saying like... Ashley Judd, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and they're asking like, you know, well... They were rewatching it and they were someone was saying like, was it good? And they were saying like, yeah, it was obviously it was excellent. Not, uh, it's not, not that excellent. I know, but not that it was a good film, but just that like they don't make films of that budget or quality no. or ex or expertise anymore. Okay? I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. My watch example that for film. that is always this, the negotiator. Yeah. Exactly. That type of thing. So this is a roundabout way of me saying I ended up rewatching uh, Tony Scott's Deja Vu. With Denzel Washington. Which is a good movie. And costs $75 million. And there's absolutely no way that anyone would make a film of that budget, at who that's aimed at. They're, at going, they're heading back there, though. They are heading back there. You think so? With yes, who? I do. With streaming it's just, services? It's just so proven. No, because the th the, here's the thing is like, so the, studio, the studios know that at this point, the streaming services very much protect their own game. And they have a model that they started out with in terms of production that old school studios cannot keep up with. However, old school, old school studios can make more money with the right investment from cinema releases and streaming services could frankly ever dream of. Like theirs is all, like for example, Jason Blum, the profits his sure. movies make are insane. But they cost they very little. He was giving people like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, but that's the, but like that's the thing is like you can, let's say if you make a movie as you mentioned for seventy five million dollars, yeah, with modest marketing and a lot of your budget goes to Denzel Washington, let's say, right? There's yeah. no reason, there's no reason that you can you, you can't like so if you're if you're marketing a movie sheerly on somebody's star power, it 
costs frankly less because they just have their salary is included in all the promotion, blah, 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 blah. So basically, if a movie like that turns a profit of, let's say, 250 million, that's good profit yeah, for but them. Is it going to make 250 million? Like, who's going to go to the cinema? Let's, uh, I mean, I saw this film in the cinema in 2006 and I really didn't like it very much. But in mm. retrospect, maybe I have because good this of is it. probably the second time that I've seen it only, mm. to be fair. But in retrospect, seeing it and just going like a big budget Tony Scott Denzel Washington vehicle. There weren't that many. There were a few, you know, Man on Fire, mm. Unstoppable, Taking a Pelham 123 remake. But like, I was Terrible. just, I was just really impressed. I was just kind of like, it, it, I really, really, I, I just enjoyed the whole experience of it this time around. It was, uh, you know, it's a solid film. It is actually a solid film. Yeah, but. yeah I, no, no, I do, I do think so. And I like, I, I do lament that, but I do, I also think that that sort of thing is coming back. Like, the, I think the, like, for some reason, Blumhouse is getting loads of press coverage in the last few months of just like his model and how he do, does things. And considering like the giant intellectual properties are just losing money hand over fist, I think people will start gravitating. I hope, I hope. I'm optimistic. Yeah, but I just don't think say. he's going to invest 75 million in one film. Oh, Blumhouse. No, but yeah. I mean, the studios might. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Do you think studios are going to take on those type of projects? Do you know what there's a lot riding on? Kevin Costner's upcoming Western <laughs> series, Horizon. No, I'm serious, because that's modestly budgeted, but he's not selling that to his streaming services. That's going That's going to cinemas. He's going for a cinematic release. Now, if a Kevin Costner-directed Western can get bum, arse, bums in seats, let's say. But hold on, you went to see one recently that had a yeah, modest the budget. creator, I guess. No, Sound of Freedom, I was going to say, actually. I, mean, Sound of Fre- I don't count Sound of Freedom. As a film, as a film, you don't. I did see on social media the other day. Someone I know went to a screening and posted like a thing, saying like took like a photo of the of him reading his message at the end, going like, "We need to share this," which made me laugh because I immediately lost all respect for them. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I well, my other one, uh, one of my two, both of mine are blasts from the past. They're both just TV shows because we were talking about last week of saturation of content. Yeah, just there's just too much, too much garbage, and then. I have been doing my old model of like watching shows, but having ages between the seasons. So as I mm. don't get sick of them and I was like, Hmm, I haven't dipped into the shield in a while. And then I also, I was like, Hmm, Deadwood. I remember I watched season one of that a couple <laughs> of years ago. So, right. I just want to talk briefly, briefly about these two things. So first of all, uh, yeah, the shield went missing off Amazon for a while, but they've re-uploaded it in a 4k transfer and it is fucking glorious. I have to I say. Didn't, I didn't know it was on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it is a glorious because the thing is about the shield, like you enjoy it so much. Or but like a few years ago when I watched like seasons one or two, I would have watched like the original DVD. Uh, yeah, and, same. Like, I know, had the, the, uh, the TV ratio box set. Yeah, and like it's a bit of a you know it's a good thing the writing and the acting is so good. I'll say that um, because you know it feel it looks a bit cheap. It does, but well, it's like fo- it's like it's like when you watch the wire. Pre the like 4K transfer, like yeah, Blu-ray it is. Same. Well, I don't know about that. But the mean, location, bad, yeah, the location work in the in the in the wire does a lot of work for it. But um, yeah, so I'm on. I, I started watching the Forest Whitaker season. Um, Ooh, that's near the end. Uh, that's season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after this, I got Michael Pena, and uh, then one other after that. So which one is the Glenn Close? Is that the, season four? That, oh, okay, so that's before Whitaker. 
Yeah, so it's uh he's brilliant. He's oh, yeah. just Mike, Michael Pena's uh, yeah. army. Yeah, I remember. He's but like Forrest Whitaker is so intense, but also like the thing is because I've seen The Shield before. It's I don't know have you ever done a rewatch of The Shield, but it's a show that yeah, ends I've seen it twice. It's it ends so fantastically <laughs> that and and it's been years since I've seen the end that with every episode I watch, I am like for example, season 5. Sorry, spoilers for people who have never seen The Shield. But I've, it's just every time I see Lemensky, I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're dead soon, man. Yeah, and then you yeah. see Walton Goggins and you go and you're going to know about it, you motherfucker. Yeah. So it's just seared in the mind. So that is really, really brilliant TV that has stood the test of time. But also, OK, so I had only seen Dead. Have you seen Deadwood ever? I've watched season one and two. For some reason, I never finished it. Plus is the film now as well, right? I Yeah, I've never seen the movie. So I, I started a slight rewatch of it. But just then, I suppose just eyes open to it with so much, just having generally given up on modern TV. Anybody who's in any way into like, particularly dialogue writing and attention to detail for period pieces. Deadwood is one of the greatest pieces of TV that anybody's Solid. ever created. It's uh, like the, the, the first, and like, the th here's the thing, the first three episodes of season two is basically Al Swearingen has a kidney stone. That's his whole storyline. He's just in... <laughs> Agony. Brad Duriff doing all sorts of quack medicine on him. Oh, yeah, um, he's a doctor, yeah. It's just... And, like, some weird psychopath comes to town representing the Hearst Foundation. And the thing is, it's like, there's no... There's seemingly no arc at all except people just just grinding through a really <laughs> tough period in history. And the, the dialogue... I remember... I read this before. I, I read... Um, David Minchel, David Milch's um, book, his memoir. He won't be writing anymore now. He's in a care home. He's got That's Alzheimer's. Right. Yeah, he's not doing well. But um, it's very good. It's called Life's Work, and he talks. Uh, he talks about Deadwood and one of the like famously back then people didn't swear like cocksucker, but they did swear in a very different way. But it was all biblical based swearing, and they would say things like nitwit and nincompoop and stuff like that. But it was harsh language for back in the day. So he did. He just decided to do the upgrade of completely modern swearing just to get the gist of it across. But then the other thing was so many people were like they, they basically learned to speak from Jesuit teachers. That was a very big thing and grammar books and stuff like that. So all these wild men spoke with this odd, very grammatically precise way of speaking. Like even like uh, Swearingen's, <laughs> the guy with the long hair, he's like, um, he's like, pause yourself, like things like that. You know what I mean? They'll just like, yeah, 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 it's just honestly, get, I, I, I've heard the movie doesn't quite live up to it because everybody looks older, which yeah, is only old. natural, I suppose. But um, I am, yeah, I'm very much enjoying both of those two shows at the moment. I think I just never finished season three because, uh, just because I, I, it was always a show that, it, as far as I understood, is something that got cancelled. Yes, it did. And never, it was too expensive. Yeah, and just and all the sets burned down at some point as well. I remember when they were thinking of coming back to it. But I guess now that there's a film out, it is like the story was properly dealt with and all finished, but. I should get back to it, but like we've said a million times, there's far too many things to watch. I mean, I but watched, this is better than most of them. It is. I, I've, <laughs> I, I've been watching something else because uh, I've, I've you know got my finger firmly on the pulse of the cultural zeitgeist. Oh. So I finally got around to watching the first season of Sex Education, the Netflix show. 
Oh, and right. I watched that. Definitely better than Deadwood and The Wire and The Shield <laughs> and everything. So, okay, to be fair, it is actually quite fun. It is it's just a nice little show. It's, I don't uh, get it. I wish I did. No, you're not a fan? No, I, it's it? like my... It, well, no, there's parts of it that made me laugh, all right. But, like, I suppose... To be fair, when you were born, you had, like, a perfect understanding of sex. Yes, I and, did. And, and how to do it really well. I'm really showing my colors as an old crusty here, but one of my one of my um, bugbears, one of my pet peeves in general, is uh, being around people for whom sex is a hobby. Who who's that? Who is that? The sort of people who um, will like uh, be like, oh yes, look, I've got this collection of nipple clamps. Yeah, okay. It's bad if you've got too many tools, I agree. Or like, uh, do you remember, this is this is a real inside baseball <laughs> nice. here, folks, okay, in the go. podcasting <laughs> world. Did you listen to the the uh, Stag Do episode of We Might Be Drunk? Probably. They had this, like, sex lady come in. Oh, was, yeah, no, I turned that off. That was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that was when uh, Normand was getting married, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loathe that type no, of I agree. I, ag- I agree as well. Um, And, like, the thing is, I'm not... Now, sex education was is not exactly that way inclined, right? It's not. But it is a little bit, and I always kind of take umbrage with... Because, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. There's two two main issues. First of all... When I was in secondary school, there was nowhere near that amount of fucking going on, and there was fucking <laughs> going on. But the, the 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 like the range of the and the frequency, <laughs> no, it just it didn't exist, right? And it it wasn't like a fucking rigid Christian society thing. People wanted to fuck, but there was just nowhere <laughs> near. There's not even a fraction of that amount of fucking going on. True. Like I take and I take umbrage with euphoria in the exact same way. And then the other way that I take umbrage with it is it's like. Okay, probably all the actors are actually adults, but I yeah. I hate adults writing about teens fucking like that. <laughs> it bothers me. Now, all of that said, I watched the first season. I laughed bits and pieces of it. Well, yeah, actually, I watched the whole thing with my wife. I think she watched the second season also. But then I remember I was listening to TV re- review podcasts and everybody loses their mind for this show. And I'm like, did I miss something? What is it? I don't know. I think it's quite easy to digest. I mean, I, I think this, this one thing that surprised me, I was a bit worried about it because it's a Netflix property. But okay. I think it does have slightly higher quality than quite a few things that they've churned out over the last few years. That's true. That's true. There is good writing on it and there's a good yeah. cast. There's a good cast. Yeah, I think there's, some of the actors are very good, like uh, Shuti Gatwa. Yeah, yeah, the new like Doctor a, Who. Yeah, and Scottish as well. So respect. Ooh, I don't Scottish care about man. Doctor Who at all. Do you? I do, well, I do now because he's black <laughs> and Scottish. So now it's yeah, cool. <laughs> now it's the best. Now you're a Whovian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm a, I'm yeah, a, what's his chops? Uh, Butterfield is in it. Yeah, he's a Butterfield from Hugo. That's weird. Yes, that's because right. Because he's right. one of these. He's like a Michael Sarah. You know, he's he started as a child actor and then he's still in stuff, but he looks about twelve. Isn't it right? Like, that's the other thing as well is like, so are there like teenagers who watch this show and find it relatable or is it just adults watching this? Probably. <laughs> it's probably some creepy. It's probably no teenagers ever watched it. And here's the thing is like, I love teen movies. I have very fond memories of watching Dawson's Creek, for example. I liked Dawson's Creek back in the day. I genuinely did. Um <laughs> But the, like Euphoria, fucking hated. I'm like, it, being a teenager is not like this. I don't care. The, fuck off. It's it is stop. now. 
But yeah, no, you're, you're, I don't you're believe right that. Because, I actually like, don't. I mean, who writes those? I imagine it's people like in their 40s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like skins. I felt the same way about Skins, to be honest. Here's the thing. Yeah, skins was about that. secondary school students. And uh, that was the kind of life that I began to lead when once I got into university. So same. I was watching it going, yeah. this doesn't exist in secondary school. I don't care. You're oh, a like, You should close the school down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like that would be extremely worrying. And, and come in and, and clean all the surfaces. What's some teen movies you like? Uh, in Girls? Oh, yeah. Big fan. I've seen it once. I wouldn't say I was a huge. Uh, I've seen that a few times now. I like me, that one a lot. Head. My my uh, favorite is probably uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Big, big time for that movie. Yeah, I like it yeah, a lot. I know that's one of yours. Um, I guess Brick. I'm going to put Brick. I'm going to throw Brick out there. That takes place Brick is a good. No, Brick is a good show. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. That's that's more Donnie Darko? Sure. I mean, we're going a bit left field here, but they, they, yeah, these are <laughs> technically... Like I'll tell you what, there's a great... One of my favorite ever movie smooches is in Donnie Darko. Do you remember when um, Seth Rogen says to your one in the class presentation, he goes, uh, hey, didn't your mom stab your dad? <laughs> And the chick Gretchen runs out and then uh, Jake Gyllenhaal pursues her and they have a no- lovely big smooch outside. And it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's a good movie, that. Sure. Uh, it hasn't worked out that well for Richard Kelly. He's been working no, on really the same film not. for the last 12 years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, got, he's re- really done a Troy Duffy on it, hasn't he? A little bit. Yeah. Even, and like, um, you know, he had big mates like uh, Quentin Tarantino was one of his champions. Mm-hmm. Kevin Which, Smith, uh, another one. Kevin Smith, of course, yeah. But I mean, Kevin <laughs> Smith best, is now... the best champion to have. Kevin As I, Smith. I sent you a photo of Kevin Smith during the week, yeah, yeah, completely yeah. randomly, so some just because I came across it. He looks like he's, he does look Mexican at this point. I hope he's getting extra skin removed because he's bound to have too. some. That's he's bound to have concern. that fat bastard next look. Next looks <laughs> like a vagina thing going on. God, I hope so. Yeah. Anyway, I can't think of any other teen movies. No. All right. So Tom McCarthy. The Visitor. Why did you cho- choose this? I can't remember what spurred it on. I have honestly got no idea why it came up. Maybe I was thinking about The Station Agent. Mm. Because I, I would say, like, that's, that's one of my favorite films. The Station Agent? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I oh, see. I've only ever seen that once, and I remember enjoying it, but it? Not, not a few times. Not so impactful. I, I might, I might watch it again because I remember you pushing somersault on me for years, and I, I, I really <laughs> did like that when I eventually watched it. Wow, the station agent. I feel like this has something of the same. It's got a similar kind of ethos to it. Like, it's, well, you can it see. Seems, it seems really earnest a lot of the time. I think I actually think like both of these films have some similarity in that sense, as in like the you know Fury's Assault too. The um, it shares DNA with another Tom McCarthy uh, project, which is Up, um, just the oh, yeah. sort of grumpy old man sort of discovering life, the widower, which makes me think, you know, maybe Tom McCarthy took a very impactful screenwriting class or something like that, because I mean, the station agent is actually. If I remember correctly, not not a million miles away in terms of theme. Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, what I remember about Tom McCarthy was he was like a mate of George Clooney's, and they mm. were going for sort of similar roles in the '90s. And I think he just reached a point where he was like, "Balls to this, I'm just going to make my own stuff." And then Fair. Station Agent works for me because it's quite a strong character study. You spend a lot of time with the three main characters, and. Yeah. There's so much positivity there. Yeah, I do remember it being a very nice film. 
I mean, there are some arsehole characters too out there, but they sort of, they, these three main characters kind of stick together. And are, there's a way of like, of characters being friends after a very short time. Yeah. And there's, you don't expect these I people remember to that. be friends. That's my, I that's my I mean, main takeaway. There's a lot actually. of similarities here with this film. Did you like this film? I thought it was absolutely fine, but very lightweight. I thought the level of, I was expecting a bit more conflict, I think. Yeah maybe into also and i think like no one would make this film anymore like in no. 2007 i think it seemed maybe more relevant but i just find myself going like yeah i mean i need more i need more from the story it annoyed me for most of the way until a certain point in the plot after which it quite got me emotionally mm. and i thought the ending is really good i thought i, yeah, I, I, I like quite like the ending but yeah, first of all, before we actually just pop into that, I would like to ask your opinion on Spotlight, mainly because oh, yeah. Spotlight is, when Science that won fiction. all the Oscars, that did seem like one of those ones that would just go and, you know, it'd be forgotten about it. Maybe most people have forgotten about it. But I've gone back and watched Spotlight a few times. I think that's really, really fantastic. I love Spotlight. One of the worst fantasy films I've ever seen. It's got especially that fake part <laughs> at the end. Where they put up the thing. No, I think I, I I saw someone have that view about Spotlight the other day where they said it's one of their go-to comfort films. There's something really comforting about, obviously not the uh, themes, which are rather traumatizing, <laughs> but just it's like a film where you're following uh, journalists working through a story. And um, yeah, there is that aspect like to it. It resolves itself. It has a nice soundtrack. It's something you can like put on in the background in spite of being about, as I said, something absolutely is, horrific but it is it's also i suppose part of it might be because just growing up in ireland in the fucking 90s i just got the onslaught of all of this stuff like they've made a bunch of movies there was you know people were talking about it all the time just the church abuse and the main angle of inquiry was just like just just horrific stuff just like like the likes you mightn't have seen them song for a raggy boy um yeah. The Magdalene sisters. I saw that one, yeah, because that. I mean, that's yeah, Mullen, just, yeah, just re like really, really fucking tough stuff. And I suppose the thing I, I think Spotlight is quite human about it. There's this one scene where one of the characters goes to a house where they know priests are, and one of the priests is just clearly demented. Oh He's yeah, like, ah yeah, no yeah. no, but you see they you know they 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 wanted it or some something along those lines. You you just talking about this makes me want to rewatch it. Yeah, well, it's such a detail that you're like, that fucking for sure happened. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's one of those things. Or And I also love um, Liv Schreiber's character, who's the, the uh, Jewish man who takes over to the editorship of the paper. Oh, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got this recurring theme of it takes an outsider that's always stuck with me because it, it does take an outsider to do those sorts of mm -hmm. inquiries. And Boston being that sort of town and how it emerges that, you know, Michael Keaton would have been complicit in one of the cover ups. It's a really good film. Yeah, go do check it out. I will watch again. You have you seen his his his, his last film? I think I talked when, when? about it on the podcast. No, no, no. The uh, Stillwater. Oh no, I want to though. It sounds very interesting. It was fine. I I can't remember. It's been, I mean, it's been about two years, but I I remember that I enjoyed it. Mm. I wouldn't say it was his best work at all, but again, it was like another strong character piece. But it looks. Ju I, I mean. <laughs> you know the irony is we keep saying that you that you wouldn't get movies like this anymore, but yet they keep making them. I mean, but it is an, it seems like an unusual story. 
Which one? Stillwater or, or this? Yeah, yeah. It's it's based on Amanda Knox's. Yeah, shit. She, she was not happy. She was like straight onto Twitter and posted like I remember she posted like a forty part tweet, basically being like, "How how dare you take my how story? Dare you and change the name, even though it's very clearly me? It cost twenty million Stillwater, and it made about twenty. So not great, but yeah, definitely worth watching. Hmm. I think but people visitor, should do that more. Like the with thing the. That, Sorry, sorry, go no, on. No, no, you go. No, I was like with um, Gus Van Sant's Last Days. Just change the name. Who oh, cares? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing, I, the one thing about watching The Visitor is going, first of all, I don't know for you, but for me, this was quite hard to get hold of. Yes. I went to various different blockbusters. I, went, I was all around the city going into every single one and looking through all the racks of uh, old VHS tapes and DVDs. It took me a while to find this. I think part of the reason is because the company that put it out, Overture Films, no longer exists. That went okay. bust, and it was bought up by another company that since went bust. So it's, it's like one of these things that I think has just completely fallen away. It's really hard to get hold of, but it's Oscar-nominated. Yeah. Which Richard Jenkins was nominated for Best Actor. Who else got nominated that, that year? Because he is good in it, but he's good in well, everything. He lost to Sean Penn for Milk. Oh, so Mickey, that's the year Mickey Rourke should have won. Let's, Mickey Rourke was up for the rest of that 81st, year. I remember. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Mickey Rourke, Brad Pitt for Benjamin Button, Frank Langella for Frost Nixon. Ah, uh, yeah, that should, have been, that should have been Mickey Rourke, in my opinion. Best picture was Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, deservedly so, I would say. I'm not a fan. Not a fan? Don't like it. Can you even appreciate it for what it is? Sure, but I don't. The swimming and shit, I think that just put me off. Can you appreciate The Visitor for what it is? Uh, it's fine, but it's so lightweight. It's, it's so lightweight. Just fine. I can see why it's fallen away a bit, but then I did also read that there was a musical adaptation in 2021 starring <laughs> Niles off of Frasier. He was in it. David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ran for about a month in New York and then disappeared. Yeah, that sounds like a terrible idea. Why would you make a musical of this? And just two years ago. Indeed. Luckily, there is, uh, there's nothing interesting about any of the cast at all. <laughs> um, Richard Jenkins was just an actor and just did acting. This one He's thing, great, though. I like him. He is. He is he's really good. In the, he's really good in everything. He's yeah. really good in everything, to be fair. Uh, he, is a, he is a category uh, one actor, I would say. I don't think he ever le- leans in too much, f- uh, too far away from being Richard Jenkins in a performance, but being yeah. Richard Jenkins is typically enough. He can do different, there's different forms of Richard Jenkins, but often it's like he looks quite pissed off and he's or kind of like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Maybe that, I like him in Step that Brothers. might be from Step Brothers. That might be a direct quote from Step Brothers, actually. I mean, if you're in Step Brothers, you're all right by me as far yeah, as I'm concerned. Are you a Step Brothers fan? Yeah, big, a big fan, big fan. I've seen that many Belen times. and I watched it, I think we watched it twice this year, and I hadn't seen it in a few years. The scene that just gets me rolling <laughs> is, do you remember when um, Adam Scott's character is first visiting and they do the sing-along to Sweet sure, Child sure, of Mine in, in the, the car, car? yeah. That's unbelievably Derek, funny and i can sing high like this very good very good very good Thanks. anyway uh but yeah yeah so jenkins is is solid everybody else the only uh slight interesting thing i could find is well to to run through them i mean let's see um got a lady called uh Hiyama bass who's an israeli actress who was in um, munich and most recently uh, in succession she did very well Ooh. in that playing um 
Yeah, uh, what's his chops? Brian Cox's miss is in it. So there you go. You have this guy uh, who who um, plays Tarek called Has Sliman, who claims to be. Um... He's good. I I I've, I think he's excellent. I like him. You think he's yeah excellent. I think he's solid. I think he does the typical Tom McCarthy, really likable guy. Do you know what? I think he's actually pretty good I as well. He's not that. one of the people I had a problem with because most, more, oh, more than anything, well, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, it's more to, to do with sort of tone, I suppose. But anyway, yeah, uh, he um, has both. He, he says he's Muslim, Christian and Jewish, and he's also yeah, gay. That, yeah. <laughs> He he's just he'll take whatever he's going, and I respect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as he was a, part of all those religions, then he saw the rainbow flag. I'll have a bit of that. Jehovah Witness Mormon. I agree with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, Danny uh, Gurira, who has most recently been films. in uh, the Marvel movies. Who I think is she was in just the best film of all time, Wakanda Forever. Yeah, and its prequel. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think she's just not. She's not good in this. She's playing angry black lady with short hair. Yeah, I thought she did very well. But her, okay, so it's her and um, Yama Bass. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Yama Bass. <laughs> yeah, as someone from Palestine. Yes, that's correct. That's accurate. <laughs> I, I think her and Yama Bass are guilty of the the thing that drags the movie down for a bit for me. So yeah, Richard Jenkins can get on board with very much. Uh, has Sliman can get on board with very much. They're quite watchable. When those two, so Tarek, obviously. So, just, to, just to sum up, the men are good <laughs> and the women are Let me bad. finish. Yeah, go. Let me finish. Because there are, probably are some um, men who are guilty there's, of this there's, there's a, I just want to point out, there's a guy in the cast called Michael Kumpsty. Or Kumpsty. Kumpsty. Cool. I'm going to watch more of his movies. Yeah. Fucking, right. So there's this type of a movie, like Spanish independent movie that my wife just um, consumes voraciously. And I'll watch them, and sometimes the stories are interesting, but they're like they're they're always just human dramas about you know people who are feeling a bit off in society or whatever. And there's a style of acting, the way people deliver this, where it's it's almost like mumblecore, where they like sort of barely talk, and there's these long silences, and that's their way of conveying the fact that they're sad. Do you know what I mean? And it's like a way that. Too many people do, and all you just for me, it just stands out that being sad is not like that. I'll give an example to you. Like, let's see, uh, I'm asking you for, I don't know, a cup of, uh, ask me for a cup of tea. Would you like a cup of tea? Um, no. Yeah, yes. No, it's fine. You're really good. You should be <laughs> Oscar nominated. That's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, but the, I like, bought it. I bought it. He, um, and um, maybe you just think it's easy. But actually, you've shown because you've shown how much of a natural you are. I but I anyway, I don't like that. I don't. I don't, I don't like the, the like because the thing is, Richard Jenkins is sad and confused in this movie, but he's filling it with oomph and charisma. And there's a scene where Tarek gets really angry, and that's that, that's done quite well. I think the the two women in this film are sort of blank slates, and it bugs me whenever stuff like that happens because it kind of goes back to my thing of there's no. No movie works for me unless there's a little bit of levity. And I think the same is almost true of performances. You need maybe to have you, Maybe a you little... won't like the station agent. I mean, that that is quite fun. But like the characters, I feel like there's quite a lot of that. I feel like a lot of other films would show like more of a change of character. Like Richard Jenkins is only very mildly a bit of a dickhead at the start. And it's just yeah. because he's grown like so tired of his job I like and that tired scene, of other people. 
But like it, his change into becoming like a good fun guy who plays the drums and cares about another person is very minor. It's not a huge character shift. Yeah. As, I mean, you would see much bigger shifts in other films, I mean. Yeah. But so I mean, I, I was like, all right I with just that. Don't know, okay, you're on board with that part. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the performances of the ladies, quite frankly, that uh, I think it, it dragged it down for me in a part. They just... But uh, how, much is that is, how much of that is just the script, though? Are um, you blaming them? I mean, how much of it is Tom McCarthy's No, I'm blaming them. Direction? Um, I, I think it's, a, I th- it's also Tom McCarthy's direction, for sure. I sad and be But it's a, it's, it's a choice. It's a choice of a way to be sad that um, is, to me, not convincing and it's kind of dull. I think you're coming at this from a white Western perspective, and I think it shows. I think you're this blind spot that you have culturally. Fucking spends, showing. A, spends a few months in Tokyo and thinks he's uh, who's somebody worldly. Is there anybody with, with a worldly percent? Andy Ritchie. Damn it, that's you. Yeah. Um, sh- shall I run through the plot a little bit? Please. All right. So um, I'll be calling. I'll be improvising some names. And uh, no, I Richard I, Jenkins. Yeah, Richard, Tarek. <laughs> Richard Jenkins and Tarek, the whole gang. Anyway, yeah. So Richard Jenkins plays Walter, who's a widower. He's an economics professor. Uh, looks pretty bored with his job. A bit grumpy uh, near the start. In a scene that I liked, I thought it it said everything you needed to. This uh, a kid wants to get out of an exam for personal problems. And he's like, no, sorry, fuck off. And I remember encountering stuff like that in, in university before. And I, I remember thinking, ah, there's more going on in this fellow's life. Anyway, he has to go to New York to present a paper with something that he doesn't have anything to do with. And he goes there, goes into his apartment. And wouldn't you know it, some fella called Ivan has uh, swindled uh, this couple, Tarek and uh, Zanib, 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 into renting it off them. Uh, but it's not his apartment at all. Sure, it's Walter's. And he's like, ah, yeah, sorry, you lads got to go. And they're like, ah, all right, I guess. Um, Even in 2007, because, I mean, we were watching films set in the 60s and 70s in New York not that long ago and thinking Mm. like, oh, that's crazy that they can live there. But even them being able to live there in 2007, paying like whatever fraction of rent they're paying, to this Ivan guy, I'm still going like, wow, they, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be in there now. Selling jewelry and playing drums. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they get sort of, they, he, he is uh, forced to turf them out, but then he feels bad and he invites them back and he says, you can stay a little bit. So Walter loves music. He'd like to play music. He fires a piano player at the start just because he doesn't like her. It's pretty funny. And then, yeah, he starts uh, getting into Tarek's drum playing and then his whole life kind of falls together a little bit. They're all very nice. And then he uh, himself and uh, Tarek go to the park to watch these boys playing drums. Tarek joins the drum circle. And it's like, okay, we got to get back now because we got to buy the table thing that I'm definitely not going to make it and something's going to How did you happen. feel about that, the drum circle scene? Um, I enjoyed it. I was getting on board. Yeah, anything with the... I That's the thing. I like music like that. I just... Uh, I wouldn't like put it on on Spotify, but generally speaking, I find it a... Ah, it's kind of soothing. So yeah, and I think it was well shot. I think though it's kind of it's kind of a little bit guilty of um you know that very typical uh New York is a melting pot montage. I think it There's is though, isn't it? That's why everyone uh, says. I mean I suppose, I suppose. Also the stuff that he's like insisting on introducing um Richard Jenkins to Shwarma and Fella Kuti and uh, nah, like you know a fan? Uh, well, no, I actually. Shawarma and listening to I do Fella listen. Kuti. I do listen to Fella Cootie sometimes when I'm uh, working. 
But uh, yeah, it's just very much, I don't know, box ticking sort it was, of stuff. It was 2007. That was maybe, yeah. that was slightly more, you know, people weren't talking about shawarmas back then. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they, they're heading back to the sub uh, via the subway and um, some evil white men uh, pull Tarek over and arrest him because he hasn't got papers or something. And then, yeah, because he jumps the uh, turnstile. The turnstile, the yeah, because it, it he doesn't want to pay twice for him and his drum. Anyway, yeah, next thing, he gets he gets arrested, put in some detention center in Queens. It's all very terrible. Richard goes over there to see him. You know, uh, Richard, Walter goes over there to see him. In uh, scenes that I enjoyed, I thought the inside of the detention center was well done. Yeah, I thought the last scene horrifying. in the detention center was particularly good, quite clinical and a bit disturbing. And uh, yeah, Sh- Shina can't go in there um, at all uh, because they She'll might take her deported. papers there. She's also illegal. Eventually, she leaves and goes, stays with some friends of hers in the Bronx. But around that time, then um, Tarek's mother arrives from Michigan. And um, there's so like a, a, a sort of vague love story type thing blossoming yeah. between Walter and uh, Tarek's mom, Muna. And it, it annoyed me initially on account of her performance. Do you not think so, she's just a, quite a reserved and formal lady? Maybe. Um, but then, like, I'll get to it. I, I liked it in yeah. the end because, um, yeah, so she can't go in either. Sex. She wait, My favorite, she wake, as, as Walter visits, she waits in this cafe and gets served by my personal favorite character in the movie, the <laughs> Egyptian guy who wants the to get laid. The guy who the cafe is trying to shag her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect. I liked him. Uh, I, I, all jokes aside, I think he uh, like of all the um, most honest character of all the like Muslim characters in the movie, he's got the most depth. I would say of, <laughs> of any of them. He quite, owns a frankly. business. He he wants to have he's DTF. Sex. Yeah, he he knows the security guards don't tip. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, he knows everything. Anyway, He'll probably get um, Tarek out. Yeah, there's there'll there'll be no getting Tarek out apparently, but. No. Uh, Tarek's mom mentions the fact that she likes uh, Phantom of the Opera. And then she's a human. In, in a glorious move, uh, Walter goes and takes her. And at, just at that point, I liked the rest of the movie from that point. Something about it. And I've been trying to think about it. You're just First a big all, fan of the Phantom, I think. You, I've never seen the Phantom of the Opera. Have you not? Um, it is actually no. good. I'm sure it is good. Well, no, I tell you, I saw the the Joel Schumacher film. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the same. It's exactly the same. It was uh, it was uh, pretty good, I suppose. Um, Mini Driver's breasts were up touching her chin. Yeah, Jerry Blossom. Indeed, any road. So yeah, he takes her along to that. I think the score really kicks into motion. They go out and have dinner, and it's sort of quite sweet. And you can tell exactly what's going to happen the next morning, which is Tarek gets deported. You just know that's going to happen. And she says she's got to go back to Syria, and he's like, after, yeah, I know. yeah. But after Tarek's gone, he's gone. We don't ever see anything of him again, do we? No, we don't. And that was good. Quite uh, sorry, and I skipped probably what I think is the most effective scene in the movie, actually, which is once he goes, sex. Walter goes in to the detention center, oh, and yeah. this guy is helpful to a point, but also very clinical, very Orwellian. Step away and, from the window now, yeah, please, yeah. Sir. And Walter has a real human moment. And at the exact right moment, then Tarek's mother comes in and says, Walter, go. We, there's nothing we can do. You know, it really took me back, actually, to like, I, rem- I remember thinking um, when I was years ago, when I was first getting my uh, NIA to work in Spain, I was queuing up from like six in the morning in this uh, police station out in um, Cerdanola. I remember I read an entire Flashman book while I was waiting, like, which is 200 pager, like, but like, I remember laughing away every time I felt like moaning to myself because I was just surrounded 
by yeah, yeah. African and Arab dudes who clearly live in rooms like this, like just yeah. waiting for fucking papers and bollocks and bureaucracy. And that's the, really the energy she gives to Walter. He's just like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah, this um, is insane. How is this possible? Yeah, yeah. We're not children. And uh, she's just like, nah, it's go, it's gone. Um, and I think the security guard gives a really good performance in that moment as well, actually. I think he's good. Then that night, she comes in and uh, Walter holds her because it's going to be their last night together. And it's a sort of an almost romance. Who knows what could have been? And then she hops back on a plane to Syria. He's taking a six month sabbatical. And in a way, so she she says goodbye. And then the 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 shot of the movie the ending, which we both said we liked. I did. I yeah, really it's, liked it's, it. It's great. He goes down to the subway and plays the drum that Tarek's been teaching him. Which he's talked about before. I mean, or he, was it Tarek said he always yeah, wanted yeah. to play in the subway? I'd love to. I didn't think it, it was kind of rem- It kind of reminded me of the end of Bo Travail. It did. I was I was, was going to say that to you because it did have like Rhythm of the Night vibes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like this. And I like to think, that I'm not really one for uh, thinking about the afterlifes of uh, the characters in in movies so much but i do like to think that uh walter and the mother eventually meet again well i mean they they went back to syria she's palestinian and went back to syria what and this was 2007 what could well what bad things could possibly have happened to them i'm sure they well, maybe he'll go over there because he's clearly bored with his life you know well that'll work out i hope they went somewhere else <laughs> Indeed, indeed. I suppose that's all I have to say about that. It's 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 a bit of a non-event. It's fine, yeah, but I can see is. I can see why it slipped through the cracks a bit because it doesn't. It's kind of mad to think that that was like a. It's, I mean, it's fine, but Richard Jenkins getting a Best Actor nomination, I don't know. Yeah, he is very I mean, good, but is he Oscar worthy? I don't. I don't think so. It feels very much in the line of the Vatican updating the status of the Holy Stone of Clan Rickard. Right. But as you said, like, no one would make this film now. I don't think anyone would write this film now. It's very much of its time post 9-11. (laughs) I truly hope Tom McCarthy listens to this. Tom, he's working on something else now. I I, I was thinking about the only two Tom McCarthy films that he directed that I haven't seen are Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made from 2020. No, I've seen Win-Win. I haven't seen the... Yeah, it's fine. It's a solid film. It's, it's it's worth watching. It's not again. It won't change your life, but it's good. It's like a a, a wrestling team, uh, like wrestling coach. So far, so good. This, uh, he's like trying to bang this lady, and I think he's yeah. has to coach her son. It's like a whole a whole thing. It's it's good fun. But the the, the one film, the other film of his, I haven't seen is the uh, Cobbler, the Adam Sandler one about the guy who who can change places with people by putting on their shoes. Or he turns he, into them when he, he directed puts, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote it and directed it. The same, no, the year before Spotlight. I mean, made, I, I feel all, like I we kind seeing, of have to watch The Cobbler. I remember the, uh, I, I seeing scenes from that going. I heard it's I one of the worst like things that. ever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I strangely think I will like it, but it's supposedly one of the worst things. I ever. mean, I'm a big fan of uh, The Sandman on a good day. Like, sure. I like The Sandman. And I think, but I think this one's controversial of like, cause he puts on people's shoes and then he turns into them. So I f- it might have one of those scenes where he puts on someone's shoes and then goes and shags her wife or something. Nice. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not like a kid's film or anything. I think it's, like, you know, Wonder Woman does that dodgy. in the last Wonder Woman movie. Respect. Do you know about that? I knew there was something going on around that. 
Well, you know the way Chris Pine's character dies in the first movie, Oh, right? and so does she get like a ghost of him or something? No, it's way worse. So fucking what's, Pedro Pascal has this thing that grants all your wishes. So her yeah. wish is to get Steve back. So basically the magic box does its trick. And what it does is it occupies the body of a live man and oh, kind yeah. of puts like a, a Steve looking sheet over it. Uh, and like your man is basically he's under anesthesia as far as he's concerned um, and then with he the just ghost gets of raped. Steve floating over him and he gets raped by Gail Godot yeah wow well your fantasies aside yeah well my fantasies aside what are you talking about my fantasies are just beginning we're talking about marrying an elderly German lady I, I do see I can see why you like this I feel like this speaks I never to said your I life like experience this. you do you love it <laughs> you want to be Ali that's your dream that's that's what you want. I, all right, I'm going to give you my line to sum up this, uh, and I, I'll, I'll see if you agree with me, right? Not saying I like or dislike it, but this is what it would be like if John Waters decided to pursue dramas. <laughs> it does have some of those, yeah, similar. Uh, there's some similar acting in there. There's some similar. It's so homemade, like it's so production. Uh, I was looking at the. I was looking at how much this cost. It costs like. 260 Deutschmarks, sorry, 260,000 Deutschmarks. But that's the equivalent nowadays of like more than half a million dollars. So it's about $600,000 nowadays. But I mean, as I'm sure you've looked into, I mean, probably a good chunk of this was funded by the government, German government. Yeah, he was able to, 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 to get a lot of funding quite easily. But he was, his turnaround was insane. He yeah, made yeah. something like... 40 films before yeah. the age of 37. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, he died. He was making like four or five every year. Uh, yeah, so he was part of that um, the the new German cinema, German, the German new wave thing. So you're yeah. into this? I could see that this is your. I you was, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Like yeah. Werner Herzog, you like Vanders? Well, when I got into Werner Herzog, I, I uh, watched a few of his contemporaries. Uh, this film, which I had seen before, this is as far as I got with Fassbinder. But I watched some Schlondorf films. I watched a lot of Werner Herzog. Is Schlondorf, films. the one who made the Tin Drum, is that? Is yes, that Schlondorf. Yeah. So, uh, also, what's the name of it? So, uh, the persecution of Veronica from, which is about the RAF? But I was mostly interested in Royal Air Force. Respect. I was mostly interested in Herzog's output. Now, to be fair, but I did like I watched um, Angels Over Berlin and um, that kind of thing. But yeah, in the end, Herzog was the one who interested me most. But then, like all things like this, I did just find the. St- story of all the guys interesting i mean herzog immediately distanced himself from the whole movie so he barely (laughs) from the whole movement so he barely counts but the whole idea of the movement was to basically just make make good movies without worrying about how much money they'll make just pursue art as like directly as you can and herzog did i this is why i think Fassbinder and Herzog are, you know, despite very different styles, are very much sort of two peas in a pod. Vim Vendors as well, as well, because they just pursued whatever they seemingly want to. Like Vim Vendors and his road trip movies, Herzog mm-hmm. going off and filming yeah, the South desert America. in Fata Morgana or Aguirre, the Wrath of God. The la- like the, I watched one of his movies where all the um, cast were hypnotized called Heart of Glass. Maybe the weirdest movie I've ever watched. And He's I've watched made a some... ton of films as well, actually, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. More, probably more documentaries than narrative yeah, fictions yeah. Uh, these days. Like, And the, the, it's the strange thing. I think Roger Ebert nailed it perfectly talking about Herzog. He said, 
like even his failures are interesting and that, mm. like this is it's like you could never he's never made a cynical movie at all and i i'm sure the same is true of um Fastbender. I just like Fastbender's movie. Well, I've only seen the one. I I like it less than anything I've seen by Herzog, but I still think this is an interesting movie. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, And it did well at Cannes as well. It won the prize of the ecumenical jury and the International Federation of Film Critics best film, but it lost out to the conversation for the Grand Prix. Fair. I prefer the conversation. Fair play. Yeah, I would go a conversation on this. But uh, what did you think of this? There's parts of it where I found it. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about the visitor of actors doing an almost mumblecore saying in silence type thing. There's a lot of silences here. There's a yes. lot of like interesting stylistic choices of like a group of characters standing watching the two main characters like looking like they're from oh, some they're kind dancing. of zombie film or something no multiple times like there's a scene where they're sitting at a cafe and just all the staff and people are like standing outside oh, the staring cafe, at them staring yeah, yeah, at yeah, yeah. Them. there's a there's a lot of those choices there's some really really nice shots of like slow moving cameras panning across people's faces um it does look nice it certainly looks nice the dubbing is weird i don't know if that was just is that my version for, for, but no no uh, it was all dubbing it, I was, I think yeah, it was all yeah, dubbed. yeah so it's not i wasn't sure if that was the actual voice of uh salem or not the guy who plays uh, uh ali but i i i think it has an interesting message the whole theory i mean like theories the soul did actually work for me just as a message going like yeah no i actually yeah yeah agree with that and i think the um, last um because I even I kind of sure had an inkling of the last half an hour of the movie. I, I kind of did remember it. But watching it again this time around, I actually think the way the story goes in the in the final act is is quite interesting. Yeah, I like all the stuff not of, obvious. of her pushing him away when she tried when she starts to to act more similarly to her friends. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's I'm not sure how I feel about the last two minutes of him in hospital. Like, I, I don't know if that point, I feel like yeah, it maybe had more one. relevance at the time than it does now. Maybe that was just about like, you know, those workers in that situation. One thing that made me giggle quite a bit is, okay, I know you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name, but I've told you about the scene at the end of it with Michael Stuhlberg. And, <laughs> um, I'm something of a gay man myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I once had a gay thing. So it's kind of like, you know, a bit of um, fantasy writing. I think this is, in a strange way, kind of a gay man's fantasy. Um, because it's like this handsome Moroccan immigrant <laughs> who who's like, you know, and all the young women are just bitches. They're awful. But he kind of just Everyone's pushes awful. up to this maternal fi- uh, figure, you know? Yeah. Let me let me fire through the plot then. Do it. So this is it's like two years after the Munich massacre uh, where how many people how many people died is about 15 or something. People They're died. all gone. 17 people died, 12, uh, 12 victims and five perpetrators all killed with a Black September attack. So a bad time to be Arab in Munich, uh, where the, this film was, was set and filmed. So the film starts with this lady, this older lady, Amy, who's uh, this cleaner. She is a widower, she, uh, a widow rather, and she enters into this bar and Again, I mean, as soon as you enter the bar, there's a really weird vibe. There's like a bunch of Arab guys uh, standing around <laughs> drinking. I've been in bars like that. 
Tricky. I wasn't, and there's there's a lady uh, called Barbara who owns the bar, and there's another lady, like waitress type lady, walking around to. The slags. Is she a prostitute? What's going on there? I think they're both slags. I think that's the. Well, one and of like, them here's also the thing. owns the bar. People so might think I'm good... using that as a. People who think I'm using that as a derogative should watch this film. Their characters' <laughs> names could be slag one and slag two. That's their function in the plot. It like. I, I Fassbinder got a, like got criticism for his depiction of women generally over his career, and I have a feeling it's kind of stuff like this. It's like they're just they're like the devils on Ali's shoulders, getting him away from his the maternal <laughs> bosoms of uh, Emmy. Um, it's an odd one. It, yes. But that's it. That scene where she goes into the it reminded me of like years ago in Brussels. It was me and um person I was traveling with at the time. We had a train to catch early in the morning, and we like. We weren't. We arrived there late, and we weren't going to get a place to stay. So we're like, let's just go drinking for the night, and we'll be grand. And we found this bar near the train station, and it was just all dudes from the Congo. And like, so I was traveling with this lady, and like, we were like, for five seconds, we were just like, uh, we can give this a go. I went to the bathroom, and uh, she was just like, "Hello, Rachel, if you're listening." She was just like, "We need to get out of here now. This is this is not good. This is not a good situation." <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was funny. Anyway, so Emmy goes into this bar and uh, she starts dancing with this guy Ali. Who uh, it's not. Re- I mean, what's his backstory? We have no sense of that at all. He doesn't have a greatly defined character. I mean, he's come from Morocco, a place in Morocco, yeah, to like Timsit. a small town to to make some money. Yeah, yeah, he makes and, cars uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, he works in a garage, but. They uh, immediately hit it off and develop a friendship, which turns into a love affair. At some point, the owner of the building, because Emmy's renting her flat and a bunch of the neighbors have been uh, racistly talking and saying like, hey, she's got this Arab lodger. So the guy mm-hmm. who owns the flat comes around and is, says like, oh, you need your lo- have you read your contract? Your lodger needs to go. But she says, no, we're not. This is not my lodger. We're getting married. He's one of the few reasonable German characters in the <laughs> yeah. movie. He just follows the rules. He's like, I don't yeah, care yeah, yeah. about what your personal situation is. Just these are the rules. I quite Do like what that. You want. He sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is all right. He's all right. But so what her, her flippantly saying that they were going to get married, uh, she, she then says like, no, no, no. I was just saying that. But then Ali goes, no, marry good. Let, yeah, yeah. Marry good. Ma- Ali, marry fuck. good. Yeah, he speaks in broken German, and then we get broken English translations in the subtitles. But it's cute. so uh, Emmy and Ali, uh, Emmy then tells her children that uh, she's going to get married. Fassbinder and, plays her son-in-law. Yeah, he's great actually. I really like him in this. Yeah, he plays her son-in-law, Eugen, Eugene. Um, I wonder if he ever cast himself as not a dick because he has a dick's face. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so when she does tell her three children and her son-in-law, one of her sons uh, gets up and kicks shit out of the TV. Yeah. Which is supposedly that's uh, a scene from one of the films that this is based on. Oh, this is based on films? Yeah, there's a couple of um, films from 
the 50s. One of them is uh, Imitation of Life from 1959, and the other one is All That Heaven Allows from 1955. Oh, Douglas Sirk movies. I've seen both of those. Yeah, the scene, the TV one is from All That Heaven Allows, which is a film about Jane well, that- Wyman ending up with uh, a younger Rock Hudson. Well, that film ends with, no, Imitation of Life ends with as a close-up zoom in on a TV. And all that heaven allows, all that heaven allows, by the way, is a fantastic movie. I love that film. But yeah, it's about a sort of a love triangle um, between a more reliable sort of dude and, you know, yeah, hot ass AIDS ridden Rock Hudson. Yeah, I don't think he had AIDS at that point, but probably not. No, they're good movies, though. I like both of them, but particularly all that heaven allows. So Amy and uh, and Ali get married, and that's when basically everyone <laughs> turns into an absolute Nazi bastard. Yeah, it's pretty funny, isn't it? Kind of openly like being horrible to her, being horrible to him. The guy in the local shop won't serve him because, like, I don't understand what you're saying. Speak German, mate, in it. Speak German. Yeah. <laughs> Come back when it's you can a- speak German. So like that this that's the the section of the film that I've termed um reefer madness for racism. <laughs> this 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 racism thing is really racism taking madness. Off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really catching on. And like the, the shopkeeper's wife just being like, "Why are you being a racist dick?" <laughs> no, but she's but, but she's also on board. She's kind of like, "Oh yeah," because later on she's saying racist stuff too. And so Ali's, uh, neither of them are very happy. They decide to go away on a holiday, a little holiday. They go to like some little lake place where we don't see. And then they're immediately back. And every, we don't know how long they were away, but everyone who was previously uh, a dick towards them is now quite nice, but only because they want stuff. The shopkeeper wants money. The neighbors who were being arseholes, now this lady is friends with Amy again because she wants to store her son's stuff in her cellar. But I think that's a good point, actually, because that's how society works. Yeah, basically, people want stuff, and so they act nice. That's yeah, it. yeah, no, I mean, that's like how, like, that's, that's that a good in, microcosm of the, way, of the way, like, it, I, that, I mean, disagree. that's how the Jews got on in Europe for so many years, for real. Like, and then, you know, then royal families wouldn't be able to pay back the money that they borrowed off the Jews, so they'd start a pogrom or whatever. But like, like that's the way minorities used to get along. Christians were famously great physicians and they got along fine in like early Baghdad and stuff like that. Um, what do you think about this section where Emmy? So this is, there's a bit of a switch here and Emmy starts becoming a bit of a dick. She starts- well, When she won't make couscous. Yeah, she's like, no, we're not, you eat German foods, no couscous. And then she starts showing off his muscle. She starts showing off Ali's muscles to her neighbors and treating him like a bit of an object. And I think he's getting, so there was like, this is very much in the, in the, um, what they would call the Orientalist gaze, I think. The fetishization of the other is right. what's going on there. Um, if I was a, a philosophy student, that's the, the way I'd identify it. I also think, this guy was a pretentious artist in the 70s. That's what he was going for as well. That's what he was getting at. Um, and like Ali is made to feel sort of uncomfortable by that, uh, like by that, you know, and sort of, I don't know, betrayed in an odd way. Doesn't want to be viewed as an other, you know, object. By Yeah, I mean, he starts, Germans. he's obviously slightly pissed off. And so he goes out and gets wrecked and ends up banging uh, Barbara, the lady who owns the bar. Yeah, who is... Uh, kind of hot in a nice 70s way. Mm. She wears quite loose clothing. It's hard to know. 
<laughs> you do see you see her you see her uh, back well you see his knob quite a bit you he's see his knob a few he's, times he's, but he's no, doing, no, no breasts in the film no or minge yeah i think fastbinder knew what he was doing he, he knew what he was looking at but yeah we'll get yeah. To, we'll get to salem later on he <laughs> got some oh, fun yeah, stories quite about a story him. I, I, I like the scene where after they get married, they go to this that fancy restaurant and uh, Emmy's outside and she goes, Hitler ate here. <laughs> I've, always oh, wanted yeah. to come, I've always wanted to come here. Yeah, that's very funny, actually. I thought that's interesting. She, just seemed, she didn't seem that bothered. She's on board. But yeah, so this their relationship is, is kind of not going very well. Ali's going out. He cheats on her. He... They then he is gambling and he, he's burning his money away. Yeah, he's just like pissing money away. He stays out and doesn't go home. So Emmy goes to the garage and tries to find him and speak to him, but he won't respond to her. And all of the the guys at the garage make fun of him and go like, "Here's your granny," because he's about forty and she's about sixty. So she looks uh, she's a bit older than him. And then eventually Emmy goes to the bar where they first met and uh, Ali's playing like some like poker or something like that. And then they reconcile there. They start dancing and then <laughs> Ali <laughs> keels over with a stomach ulcer. In a very, I very poor piece of acting. I genuinely thought he was coming. I 100% thought he was doing a jizz in my pants. I couldn't stop laughing. You watch it again. He goes... <laughs> It's very funny, but he has a burst <laughs> stomach ulcer. He ends up in, in uh, the hospital and the doctor says, we see this all the time with this. It feels like this was maybe the, the point of it was we see yeah. this all the time with these foreign workers because they get worked super hard. They have an ulcer, then it bursts and then they get nursed back to health and then they get another ulcer six months later. So you're going to be back in here six months later. And she goes, well, I'll try. I'll try to make that not happen then. Thanks, doctor. Bye. The end. The end. The end. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's like, it's a tukey-bukey. It's one of the, you know, reasons the podcast is, is one to do. Wouldn't, wouldn't have been watching this otherwise, quite frankly. No. Would have been but watching preferred a couple of... Yes, I do prefer tukey-bukey myself also. Because tukey-bukey is kind of just wilder. It's just such Great a crazy, fun. it's crazy uh, it's movie. Fun. It's very punk rock. This, for all the... For all the radical points it might have been making in the 70s, they're quite pedestrian nowadays. And, That's um, part of the problem, yeah. Do you know what's a mad thing? is like he's clearly a skilled filmmaker. His actors are not skilled actors. No, they're just people he knew. Some of them yeah. are like he was he was in like theater groups back in the 60s and then he got into film and TV. So, I mean, he was a, he, he knew a lot of actors and he had a lot of people who traveled in his entourage and were his, were his mates and stuff like that, but... He did also cast uh, the guy that he was in a relationship with to play yes. the lead in a film. And then a messy relationship. A stuff. Yeah, let's you go into the talk cast. About that? Yeah, we'll start with uh, the lady, Brigitte Mira, who played uh, Emmy Kurovsky. She was half Jewish. She appeared in a famous Nazi propaganda series playing the bad character who listened to enemy radio stations and stockpiled rations and stuff. But uh, yeah, there was a, there was a huge problem. They had to cancel the series of ads because she was too likable, mm. and so they weren't very effective. She was a bad Nazi. She got a lot of stick for that uh, for for doing those Nazi ads, seeing as she was half Jewish. But she basically, you know, didn't have papers and was trying to protect herself. So fair play. Yeah. <clears throat> if I was in her position, I wouldn't have done it. Plus, I would have stopped the Holocaust and the war and everything. 
hundred percent. Glad to hear it. I I mean, I had an inkling that you would be you would be that kind. Yeah, me too. Obviously, we would have teamed up. The real star of the show, El Hadi Ben Salem Mimbarek Mohammed Mustafa, who played Ali. Ali, born in Morocco in 1935. At age 15, he married a 13 year old. As you do, it's fine. It was fine back then. It was fine. They had five kids together and settled in the Atlas Mountains. And then in the early 1970s, he said, fuck that. And he left and went to Europe, which is also fair. Nice. Place. In 1971, Salem met Fassbinder at a homosexual sauna in Paris, and the two began a romantic relationship. Fassbinder. stuff. Probably. Probably lots of kissing, maybe even hand-holding at a later stage. Kissing Fassbinder, on the penis. Fassbinder cast him in bit parts for giving Salem the lead in Fear Eats the Soul. But they had a tough relationship. It was a, it wasn't it wasn't all just good times. There was trouble in paradise. Salem often became physically abusive when he drank, and things got worse when Salem had two of his teenage sons sent over to live with them in Munich. Uh, both boys ended up basically on their own doing drugs and not really uh, paying attention, not not going to school or doing anything like that. One of them was sent home to Morocco. Hippies. The other the other ended up in a reformatory. <laughs> Good the God. Old, uh, yeah, the, the, old, uh, the old boy prison. Evil hippies. Salomon, yeah, Salomon Fassbender broke up in 1974. Uh, shortly after, Salom got drunk, went to a place in Berlin and stabbed three people. He then returned to Fassbender and told him, you don't have to be afraid anymore. But uh, luckily, none of the stabbings were fatal. Uh, however, Fassbender and friends had to smuggle Salom out of the country. Yeah. They got him to France, where he was uh, later arrested. And then while in custody at prison in Nîmes in 1977, Salem hung himself. And, yeah. and uh, Fassbender's friends kept the news of Salem's death a secret for years until shortly before Fassbender's own death in 1982. To be fair, also, like Fassbender sounds like he was a fucking nightmare of a person. Yeah, he was not great. He was abusive as well. He... He was a gay dude who he was lived, lived with women. Well, I mean, all the women who he was in relationships, so to speak, would say he was a gay man who liked to live with women. And he would, he would be very physically abusive to the women that yeah. he lived with. Yeah, he beat up the, the lady who played Barbara, almost beat her to death in the streets of Bochum. There you are now. It's not very nice. Was this before or after the <clears> film? <throat> oh, no, wait, it wasn't the lady. Was it the lady who played Barbara? I think, I, no, I don't know. They were in a relationship. And uh, yeah. Not great. Not great. Speaking of Fassbinder, he was born in Bavaria in 1945, about three weeks after VE Day. <clears throat> his parents didn't give him much attention during his youth. His dad was away working and dreaming of being a poet. And his mom mm -hmm. had uh, tuberculosis, which, you know, it's not great. She took in a bunch of boarders, and it was these tenants and the streets of Munich that raised a young Fassbinder. Uh, he was obsessed with cinema. And he came out as bisexual at a young age. And in the 60s, he joined the Munich Action Theatre and wrote a huge number of plays in a short period. His first film was in 1969 at age 24. And he was 29 when he made Fear Eats the Soul. Like we said before, he made like four or five films a yeah. year on very low budgets. And Fear Eats the Soul took two weeks to shoot. And on many of the films, Fassbender served as director, writer, composer, production designer, cinematographer, producer, editor as well as actor. Where does actor. it generally rank in when, when people are, cause I've only seen the one when people are generally ranking uh, his movies, this would must be this up number the one. top, right? This is number one. Yeah. Yeah. Going off of the IMDB user rating, this is number one. And if, okay. if there's a more accurate 
way to list films, then I, I've never heard of it. Yeah, often there were no rehearsals and they, he would just use the first take. So that's kind of how you, if you want to make <laughs> yeah, yeah, four or shows. five films a year, just fucking turn on the camera and go. And then that's it. You're done. But yeah, he had a, he had some wild relationships. He was in a relationship with a black German actor who ended up, I think, killing himself as well. There's a bunch Ooh, of, that's there's a like track a, record. There's a bunch of wild, wild. There's a, a number of people who were involved with him who ended up killing themselves. Uh, Fassbender died age 37, 10th of June, 1982. He owed cocaine and yeah. Three months after uh, the actor John Belushi, who he kind of looked like. He looked like a, a thin John Belushi. He has a Belushi-like energy about him, I would say. Yeah, yeah he's got he had a, he had a bit of a beard. Not a, a good-looking man. I don't know. I thought he was quite handsome. Fair. The only other person I was going to mention, mention is the, um, the guy who played the shopkeeper, Walter Sedlmeyer. Okay. Quite famous um, for his the way he died, because on the 14th of July, 1990, he was found dead in the bedroom of his Munich apartment. He'd been tied up, stabbed in the stomach with a knife and beaten about the head with a hammer. On 21st of May, 1993, two half-brothers, Wolfgang Verle and Manfred Laube, former business associates of Sedlmeier, were found guilty of his murder and sentenced to life in prison. The killers were released from prison in 2007 and 2008. But here's the, this is the interesting part. So in 2009, the two men convicted of the killing took legal action demanding the removal of their names from the German and English language Wikipedia, arguing that it invaded their right to privacy. Basically, huh. their, their names are not on the German Wikipedia, but they're all over the English one. And there's <laughs> been multiple court cases. They took it to the European Court of Human Rights and they've, they've lost every single time. That's so, so interesting. Wolfgang Verley and Manre Manfred Lauber. Yeah, say it loud and proud. <laughs> bastards. Say their name. Say it. On the 14th of July, 1990, they stabbed the racist shopkeeper off of Fear Eats the Soul to death. Not a great and plan. That's and that's it. it. That's it for the that's boys. It. Yeah, he got done in. And that's it for cast. That's it. That's, that's everyone who's ever appeared in a film ever. All right. I mean, as weeks go, I don't think either of these will make the years... Uh, Top 10, but um, it's one of those weeks. It's the reason you do the podcast. I, we wouldn't have watched either of these. If you were to pick one of the two, which, uh, which would you go with? Fear Eats a Soul. But, I mean, they're short. They're both short films. Hmm. But I've seen longer films that passed quicker. Neither of them are the most energy-filled pieces of cinema. No. There's one you could recommend to an, one type of person and another you could recommend to another type of person, but I wouldn't recommend either to... I wouldn't recommend Fear Eats the Soul to my mother, for example, and I wouldn't uh, recognize, recommend The Visitor to, uh, you know, uh, Your gay any tur uh, yeah, turtleneck bohemian right. friends I have. Sure, yeah. Agreed, agreed. The Venn I brought, I, yeah, I brought the, the, the cinema, I brought the piece of Hollywood, I brought the nice, simple one, and then you brought the confusing one made by a, a made by a woman beating psychopath suicide causing german psychopath yeah yes well i mean that's the game i play what can i say well i'm sure next week is going to be a fun time for everyone yes so my film is lenny riefenstahl's no um <laughs> Uh, shall I say what I what I'm putting up for the toss? Should we yeah, do, the do you toss? have a coin, by the way? Because I, you should, I think I do have time. a coin. Yeah, oh, that's I good. do have a coin. I'm glad. So I want to uh, take a trip down an American seventies uh, neo noir lane. I'm going to go with a uh, John 
1973 film, The Outfit. I, I never checked if it was the 1970s one, but I assumed it wasn't the one from like 2022 or whatever. The Mark Rylance one. No, Mark it wasn't. Good, because I didn't do anything for that one. Good. All right. And what do you got? Well, this is the, my, the way that I learn or respond to anything that happens in the world is when there's world events, I then go and find what pieces of cinema in any way connect or reflect that. So the breakout of COVID, I watched, like I remember saying, I told you I watched all the virus films. Yes. I watched, I watched Contagion, Outbreak in Philadelphia. And uh, <laughs> so for this, so for this, I went on, I searched what, what are the best Israel, Palestine, or what is a, what's a film that might have some relevance. And I went for 2005's Paradise Now, which is about a pair of suicide bombers. You probably encountered what will be my response to that on your travels then, but you're... Is we'll it Exodus? See. Is it 1960s Exodus? No. No, it's not. But that was, I, I did consider <laughs> was that. that actually up there? Okay. Wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. I did consider that. Okay. So we have, let me actually just see what the fuck this stupid thing is. No, I can't, I, I don't know. I'm going to call it some sort of Illuminati symbol and um, a 50. Okay, I'll go oh, 50. All right, you're going to go 50. Here we go. You should be safe. Tension is killing me. It is the Illuminati symbol. <laughs> of course it is. That's what they All want. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it had to happen eventually. Okay, do you want to hear what you might have won? Please. I was going to go with a film I've seen already. Uh, I wanted to give something from the Israeli perspective. So we're balanced, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of balance. But, I mean, surprisingly enough, at least I couldn't find them. There's there's not too many gung-ho pro-Israel movies. (laughs) Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, kind of, just to see what was out there. No, I mean, that wasn't specifically, but then it got my curiosity in the middle of it. No, I was going to go with 2009's film Lebanon, which I've seen before, but it's very good. Have you seen that? No. It's set just, it's all set uh, during a tank during the um, Lebanon uh, Israeli war, uh, which I believe was in the 1990s, uh, but it's very good. It's like one of those, you know, one room movies, but set in a tank. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, what are we watching with the outfit? I'm excited to watch the outfit. Yeah, well, I went for something that might connect thematically at least from a bit of googling i went for something which i guarantee you'll have seen but i never have i just put it off and off and that's uh, andrew dominic's 2012 killing them softly oh right i quite liked that yeah yeah i've never seen it sweet okay apparently there's some thematic connection there oh yeah there's also annoying stuff about the 2008 crash but sure we'll pick up on that when that's we great. watch it's it fine uh, anyway yeah that oof. Oh, I feel like next week's going to be a great week. Yay. Indeed, yeah. I'm going to watch more of Deadwood and watch The Outfit and Killing Them Softly. This is going to be sick. All right, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. Thank God we're not doing a political show next week. Thank God. <laughs> is it, yeah, I want to see that coin. Uh, something dodgy happened there. No, nah, the, the Illuminati just didn't want the Palestinian <laughs> Jewish voice to be heard this week, Fair uh, apparently. Anyway, uh, I wish I could figure out what the symbol is. It's definitely the Illuminati. All right, cool. Uh, That's it for this week. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.